Amen. So uh, Exodus chapter 9 is where we're picking up this evening. We left off. We finished uh, chapter 8. At least I hope we did. You know, I've actually uh, began to study and almost had complete studies done and then realized, like, no, we stopped in the middle of that chapter. And I've had to go back. So uh, if I miss something, let me know. and We'll back up. We'll study it. And then we'll come into this. But uh, it, and that means at any time. So uh, just kind of maybe gracefully uh, send me a text or something like, hey, man. <laughs> and if I uh, am, uh, you know, mindful of it, I'll look at my watch and uh, see, see what happens here. Anyways, this is nonsense what I'm saying here. Exodus chapter 9. So uh, we're uh, in the middle of um, watching the Lord reveal himself uh, as the Lord of all creation uh, to Pharaoh, to his magicians, uh, to everybody, to the children of Israel. Moses and Aaron have a front row seat uh, to see what's happening here. And uh, we have studied through uh, all of the water in um, Egypt being turned uh, to blood uh, and the fish dying and the stench that they had to deal with. And then we talked about, uh, last week we talked about um, frogs, lice, and flies, uh, none of which any of us want an abundance of or any of, right? Um, the uh, It just, none of it sounds great. I like frogs. We talked about that last week, but uh, I don't want them, uh, you know, croaking in the house and doing their thing and stepping on them, all this stuff, you know, that was described there. So, but what the, the theme is, is God will do something powerful and then Pharaoh's uh, cronies will uh, try to uh, duplicate that. And we talked about the silliness of them duplicating it rather than trying to combat it. Um, I, I wonder if they tried to combat it and failed, so then they're like, well, maybe we can just do the same thing. I don't, I don't know. That's just my speculation, but um, I don't know. But what we do know is that Pharaoh's heart was hard toward the Lord and hard toward what God had to say. And we see here, and, and God told him it was going to be, told um, Moses that uh, he was going to harden Pharaoh's heart even more than it already was. And we've gone into that in depth, so we won't study that every time. But as it comes up, we'll, re we'll revisit it uh, in case we just need the reminder. But uh, so where we're picking up here is uh, they just dealt with the flies. And now here we are, we're looking at the fifth plague and it's livestock. So uh, the uh, it's it's getting um, it gets to affect their pocketbook and their daily lives a little bit more as far as provision. You know they're probably not eating frogs, flies, or lice, right? Um, so now this is starting to get into like being able to provide for ourselves and stuff like that. So uh, we look at livestock is is now uh, the focus of the fifth plague. So verse one says. And the Lord said to Moses, go into Pharaoh and, and tell him, thus says the Lord God of Hebrews, of the Hebrews, let my people go that they may serve me. For if you refuse to let them go and still hold them, behold, the hand of my Lord will be on your cattle in the field, on the horses, on the donkeys, on the camels, on the oxen. And on the sheep, a very severe pestilence. And the Lord will make a difference between the livestock of Israel and the livestock of Egypt. So nothing shall die that uh, uh, of all that belongs to the children of Israel. Then the Lord appointed a set time saying, tomorrow the Lord will do this thing in the land. So we, uh, we see uh, chapter 9 starting uh, with a condition. The condition is, if you refuse, Pharaoh has been given the opportunity to obey the Lord and to listen to what he has to say. The, and, and what's being presented to him is, you know, uh, let, the, let my people go that they may serve me. He has the opportunity to be obedient, uh, and we'll learn very quickly. Again, he's not obedient. But uh, verse 3 is uh, quite a scary thing to hear for them, I'm sure. The hand of the Lord will be on the cattle, the horses, and all those that are mentioned, donkeys, camels, oxen, sheep, you know, a severe pestilence. Now, when you consider the hand of the Lord, uh, we as believers 
uh, ask for God's hand in several different ways. We may ask him for healing. We may ask him uh, for comfort. We may ask him for provision and guidance, those types of things. This is talking about a different hand of the Lord, that that the hand of the Lord being uh, uh, put out toward Egypt in a way they would prefer not. And uh, that is in judgment uh, from the Lord. And uh, we uh, we see here these these past examples that have already been at the hand of the Lord. Now God is warning them. Like if you refuse, you're gonna your the hand of the Lord is coming out against you again. And uh, now now this time it's it's um, it's it's about the cattle. It's about the horses. It's about camels and donkeys. All those things that would be in the field. So whatever gets left in the field, when this happens, they're going to be wiped out. And so there's a warning and there's a timing on this warning. So this is a special one because if if these things are left in the field at this time, they're going to die. Okay, so as this develops, we're going to see the hardness of not only Pharaoh's heart, but other people's hearts. So uh, the Lord makes a difference between the livestock again. Uh, between the livestock, uh, again, between Israel and Egypt. This happens to be uh, the uh, regarding the livestock. Now, uh, this reminded me of Psalm 1, right? There, there are two people uh, pointed out in Psalm 1. There's the man that uh, walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, right? Uh, uh, and in his law, he meditates day and night. And it goes on to say that, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water um, that, that brings forth fruits in it, fruit in its season, that whose leaf shall not wither. Uh, you know, those things, when you talk about a tree that's, that's planted by a source of water, that means that it's, it's well fed. It has, it has all the water. It's getting the sun that it needs. It's getting the nutrients it needs to grow. And then it goes on to say the ungodly are not so. So if we're if we're considering those two people, we saw you know how healthy and strong and uh, how fruitful one would be uh, if they're they're like the first half of, of Psalm one. But the curses and punishment, the ungodly are not so. They are like chaff blown away in the wind. And you know, think about chaff blown away and like consider cut grass. Okay, when when heavy wind comes up, it's gone. Right. It's there's no stability there. That tree, but it's planted by the rivers. The water is strong, deep roots, right? And it's 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 deep rooted. It's fruitful. It's healthy. Versus being like chaff and just you know, wind comes and you're blown all over the place. And you've got you've got uh, nothing to hold you there. They shall not stand in the judgment. You know, the, so it's two different people that are being described in Psalm one. We are, are so much better. The obvious choice would be the first half of Psalm 1, right? The one that, that meditates in the, in the law of the Lord day and night. That, that we, we take a great delight in the word of God. And we let the word guide us. And we let the, Lord, the word be our strength. And, and uh, when we're going through something that we go to the word. We're not going to the old ways of the world, right? Our, our old path, right? That old path in life might lead us to... Uh, 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 some sort of uh, pharmaceutical drug, uh, to alcohol, to um, uh, even uh, gambling, to what? name it, right? And it can be, this is what comforted me before. No, but where do we find our delight? In the law of the Lord. And, and that means in the word of God, right? That's where we find our delight. That's where we find our strength. So when we're, when we're considering you know, these two uh, options here, there's an option to obey the Lord and follow his command or refuse it. it. It seems easy to like to choose, doesn't it? But this is the way sin works. Right? You can't let me go. You have to have me. I know there's devastation coming, but you'll make it through it. Right? It, ar- it, it argues with us. It's like, no, you don't want to let me go. Because if you let me go, now you're going to have an emptiness in your life. No, that is the emptiness in our lives, right? We know that from from uh, the scripture. Psalm 1 verse 6 says, For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. That might be Proverbs 1. Is it Psalms 1? Yeah, it is Psalm 1. Yeah, okay. Um, uh, for some reason, I've got a ton of Proverbs in here, so I was afraid that I typed the wrong thing. But I usually copy-paste anyways. 
Uh, again, uh, so we see here that Israel set apart from judgment those that are governed by God. That's Israel's name, right? Jacob's name got changed to from heel snatcher uh, to uh, to governed by God, one that uh, uh, the Lord has uh, the heart and and is leading and guiding. So these are covenant children, you know. So this is uh, what's being uh, set out here is blessings of obeying the Lord and following Him versus. The curses, you know, the cost of disobedience and rejecting his word. You know, so there's a warning here. And if it's not heeded, they're going to have a, a, a great uh, problem. And that great problem is going to be livestock that's dead. I mean, that doesn't sound good. It's not a good business plan. Like, oh, hey, we're going to lose all our livestock. And that's how we're, you know, providing for ourselves. And, you know, we're selling these things and making money, all those things. So uh, verse 6 continues. So the Lord did this thing on the next day. And all the livestock of Egypt died. But of the livestock of the children of Israel, not one died. Then Pharaoh sent, and indeed, not even one of the livestock of the Israelites was dead. But the heart of Pharaoh became hard, and he did not let the people go. So his his heart became hard. So here we see Pharaoh. Uh, we know here it doesn't... Um, uh, say here that that he denied it, but it's implied, and uh, that uh, because the the terms were set, and if he would have complied, God would have said, "Okay, we're not going to you know, wipe them out." But they they didn't. So the, look at what happened. So we know that Pharaoh didn't comply, and all of Egypt's livestock that was in the field that day died. It was widespread a devastation and destruction on their livestock. So. Pharaoh, uh, you know, still doubting God's word, uh, sent to find out if it affected Israel's livestock. Notice that? He's like, yeah, we took a heavy hit. But was he serious about Israel and the land of Goshen? Like what? But the question is, is what would make him think that wouldn't happen? Right? I mean, look, he's been true to a T of every single thing that he has said so far. And as this, 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 uh, oscillation has happened right you know there's the uh we we even see uh coming up here that he's like that, that he gets to a point where he's like he's getting more uh uh more uh regretful um but he's he still doesn't want to change right so we've seen all this happen so what does it make what makes him think that he needs to go and check on like did, did he carry out his promise to, to israel well yeah yeah, he did because he said he was going to. So not even one of the livestock of Israel was dead. But the heart of Pharaoh became hard and he did not let the people go. So no matter the devastation that they just witnessed and, 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 and the, the great loss that they, they had uh, suffered here, um, and not even one of the livestock of Israel was dead, but theirs are, are, are wiped out. It was you know still more important for him to possess Israel uh, than to let them go and, and no longer deal with plagues. He'd rather possess Israel. And because you remember, this all goes back to his fear of Israel and the number of people they have, right? And it's his unpaid labor. It's his forced labor. He has a lot of, uh, of reason to keep them. But what we're seeing here is those curses are outweighing the blessing. He's in charge of this, this country but he's an awful leader because he'd rather sacrifice his people that he might have what he wants rather than the other way around, right? That's what a good leader does. Good leader puts yourself in front of them to protect them. He's very much like, yeah, I don't care. <laughs> they can all deal with these things. They'll get over it. I still need to be in charge. I still need to have uh, you know, command of, of, of what's happening here. So his heart uh, is is obviously in the wrong place, and he would rather uh, rather uh, you know keep them than let them go, and uh, no longer deal with the plagues and everything. It's it's just so there. The question would be like, where's his rock bottom, and and uh, it just doesn't exist. You know, the guy's just at the point where he he's just. Uh, we'll even see after the tenth plague, after all the kids are wiped out, he's still not done. Right. He says, OK, you go ahead and they get going. And what do they do? They pursue. Him. Right. There was no rock bottom for him. There's there's nothing there. He 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 was at the point where he was not going to do this. He rejected all the warnings. He became deaf to the truth. And 
uh, he was too hard to receive the word. You know, if you it just it, you you've uh, you've heard the parable of the the seed, right? And that just just think of that seed that it fell on on hard ground, and and uh, the birds of the the air came and took it away, right? Uh, it, it's that type of mindset that there's nothing there to receive anything. It's it's like it'd be like throwing seeds on this concrete floor. There's nothing there. That's it's never going to produce there. There's no nutrient to provide for it. There's there's nothing there. It's not going to grow. That's that's this heart's this man's heart. Proverbs twenty eight fourteen says, "Happy is the man who is always reverent, but he who hardens his heart will fall into calamity." That's a powerful one. I'm gonna read it again. Proverbs twenty eight fourteen. Happy is the man who is always reverent, but he who hardens his heart will fall into calamity. You know that it's all through the scripture. The softness of heart. The 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 loving response to God is is what we need in our life. If we don't have that, this is what we have to look forward to, the calamity. I don't want me and I don't want any of us here to experience calamity. I'd rather deal with the happiness, the peace that comes from God, rather than the calamity that would come because I've hardened my heart to it. So we see here with this fifth plague, it didn't do anything to Pharaoh's heart. Uh, other than uh, make him harden it even more. Verse, uh, excuse me, verse 8, but we're <clears throat> covering the sixth plague, which is boils. We don't see a warning written here. They go right into the, this one. So the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, take for yourself handfuls of ashes from a furnace and let Moses scatter it toward uh, the the heavens in the sight of Pharaoh, and it will uh, become fine dust in all the land of Egypt, and it will cause boils that break out in sores on man and beast throughout all the land of Egypt. Then they took ashes uh, from the furnace and stood before Pharaoh, and Moses scattered them toward heaven, and they caused boils to break out in sores on man and beast, and the magicians could not stand before Moses uh, because of the boils, for the boils were on the magicians and on all the Egyptians. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's, uh, the heart of Pharaoh, and he did not heed them, just as the Lord had spoken to Moses. So now we move to ashes from a furnace. And so they went in obedience, and they grabbed these ashes, and they take them in Pharaoh's presence, and they throw them up. And as these ashes hit the ground, uh, it says that uh, when they hit the terrain, they'd become fine dust in all the land, and that would spread, and it would cause boils to break out in sores. Uh, that sounds gross and painful. You guys ever had the, like, the chicken pox? Anybody here had chicken pox? I had them as a kid, and I still have a scar from one of them on my, uh, my abdomen. The worst part of chicken pox for me was I got them in my head. And I don't think I had them. I mean, I heard some horror stories of the chicken pox. I was told, like, yeah, yours isn't that bad. I'm like, yeah. You know, <laughs> when you're going through it, you're like, really? Who tells somebody that? Like, your suffering isn't that bad. It's chicken pox, right? You're all covered with everything, and they're in my hair. And I'm just, I remember going into my mom and crying, and I grabbed the calamine lotion and poured it right over my head. You know, I was just a little kid. I don't know, eight, nine years old or whatever. <laughs> and I'm grabbing it, just, just rubbing this calamine lotion into my head. Just to, you know, just just to think though, boils, pain for boils. Just think you make, make you think of like Job, you know, the suffering Job dealt with when his body was struck with boils, and he's taking pot charge and he's scraping. Oh, just I don't. I mean, none of it sounds great. You're not gonna sleep well. You're not gonna. It's not like you can be like, hey, I'm not feeling well. I guess it's a few days. I'm just gonna sit around and watch, you know, my favorite. Jason Bourne movies or whatever, right? Got to sit there and you know suffer and turn the TV on and fall asleep as something's on or whatever you do when you're sick, right? You know, it's, you're not going to do that. First of all, they didn't have cable TV or TVs at all, right? So they, you know, they're just going to lay there in their anguish, and they've got boils laying out, and it's just an, an awful thing um, to to think of, you know. It, it, Cause these boils to, to break out in sores. It says in man and beast. So everyone and everything uh, in Egypt uh, was in anguish throughout all the land of Egypt. And you know, magicians uh, were nowhere to be found because they're all at home uh, afflicted by the same thing. So they're not even up for trying their magic tricks. 
it's not going to work. And, you know, they would have uh, been embarrassing uh, for all of Egypt also. This, this type of thing would have been embarrassing because they were obsessed with cleanliness. Multiple showers in a day. They wanted to look perfect all the time. Extreme vanity, right? Now they're all covered with boils. You know, just, just think about it. Boils and sores. Nobody wanted to go out, right? You know, it's not like, you know, they're, they're going to grab, uh, you know, they can run to the store and get a bunch of more makeup. You know, and cover up anything. I mean, this is, this is everybody in their own misery, in their own homes. And uh, so they, were, they would have been too proud to go out or anything. Look at verse 12. But the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh. You know, because Pharaoh's heart was hard uh, already, you know, God would at times harden it uh, even more. And what we see here is that God would do it for his own glory. And uh, God was proving to Pharaoh and to his officials that he alone is the true and living God. You know, they, uh, they had given themselves over to many uh, false gods, even uh, to worship Pharaoh himself, who they considered a god. Uh, so so they're, they are all wrapped up in these things. And um, you know, another thing he uh, most likely didn't want to give up was worship. He wanted to be worshipped. And maybe that was the chief, like the, maybe, you know, it could have been the biggest thing that was keeping him is I don't want to give up the worship. I don't want to seem weak. You know, if I stick this out, then everybody's still going to think that I'm a God. Right. And maybe that's it, you know, but there's several reasons. It doesn't just have to be a chief reason. There are several things playing in there. I believe no doubt. It was this man still wanted to be worshipped. He still wanted to be powerful over what could have been even up to two million people. right? He wanted these people to serve. He wanted them to build. He wanted to have control of them. So regardless of, of the chief reason there, uh, there's a bunch of things at play. you know. But remember, when we read a verse like that, you know, remember the pharaohs were being judged by God. You know, those those pharaohs that had had uh, mistreated Israel so bad and they were so cruel and murderous toward Israel. Uh, this this was punishment being poured out on, upon them. So, uh, you know, if your heart would sometimes look at, you know, God uh, hardened his, his heart or, or questions when you're talking with somebody and they're like, what does this mean? You know, I, why would God do that? When you put it in it, biblical context is important, right? You know, if we don't have proper context in what we're looking at, you know, look at what's happened with cults, cults growing because they'll just take something, they'll cherry pick something and just build something on that. And you look at it as like, that's totally wrong. You, know, you start looking at certain things and like, well, that doesn't match up at all. You know, this says this, this says this, you know, none, none of that seems to, to, to make any sense at all. So uh, as we uh, looked at another one here, they had to deal with boils and uh, that uh, we see Pharaoh still was not um, uh, responsive uh, to the Lord. Verse 13, this uh, next plague, seventh plague, uh, is hail. And uh, this is quite significant also. So uh, verse 13 says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Rise early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh. Another thing that you know Pharaoh was getting just tired of seeing these guys. Every time he saw them, he knew something significant was going to happen. And uh, so they go stand before uh, Pharaoh and say to him, Thus says the Lord God of the Hebrews, Let my people go that they may serve me. For at this time I will send all my plagues to your very heart and on your servants and on your people that you may know that there is none like me in all the earth. I mean, so so if we're wondering why, you know, when we look back on those those last few verses where it says the hardness of the heart that was happening there and everything, it's so that they might know that God is the one in control. So God told Moses to give another warning and command for Pharaoh. It's do this or else. Uh, and uh, what God says is that this one's going to go to your very heart. These other ones you might have been able to deal with. This one's going to your very heart. Nobody wants God's plagues sent to their heart, right? It's the worst of circumstances you can ever experience on earth is to experience the judgment of God on this earth. That's, that's as bad as it gets. I mean, we can deal with things um, 
from outside, you know, people and all that stuff. But when it comes to like when you're living this this life, we don't want to experience the judgments of God in our lives. That's that's the worst thing. I mean, look at what's happening uh, in their life. I mean, you can be dealing with this, this, and this in your life, but it is, is it as bad as if you were the enemy of God? You know, th think of that, right? The worst of circumstances here on earth. Then to think in eternity, right? That's even more frightening to think of. Revelation 22, verse 18. Puts this in some pretty uh, pretty neat context. It says, For I testify to everyone who hears the words of this, uh, the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. I don't want anything to do with plagues from God. I'll take the blessings, please. I'll take the stuff that came to Goshen and, uh, and not so much of this, right? Think of that. Yeah. Right. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that's some that's some strong insight, Mark, that that Pharaoh, who had the power to, wouldn't just try to kill Moses. You know, it's the Lord's intervening there and and uh, and, uh, you know, orchestrating it. But absolutely. Yeah. Yep. So um, God warns him. And says, this is going to happen to uh, on your servants, on your people. And, uh, you know, those that you love and those that serve you, you know, this is another example here. Most people wouldn't want to hurt those that are close to them, right? When you hear, okay, well, this could affect those that are, are close to me, it puts everything in a whole different perspective, doesn't it? Like, because if it's just going to affect me, oh, I can take it. And it's, but when it, when it comes to, like, oh, your family and your friends, and your co-workers, or those that work under you, you know, that's when things get to a different level here. And, and what we see here is the selfishness in Pharaoh's heart. God is saying, if you don't do this, this is what's going to happen. All the, you know, these, these plagues are, are going to cut to your very heart. And they're going to go and they're going to affect your servants and all, all your people. Those that, you know, and most people are going to, at that point, say, okay, gigs up. Please just don't hurt these people. He has shown time and again he's an awful leader. He's a wicked, selfish man. And and he's he just keeps showing it over and again. You know, um, anyone who loves somebody else would do everything they can to put themselves in between them and whatever uh, them uh, the ones they love and whoever or whatever was going to hurt them. Look at the example Jesus gave in John 15, 13. Greater love has no man than this than to lay one's life down for his friends. Right? That mindset, right? If you truly love somebody and you know something like this is going to hurt them, you're just going to say, nope, I, I got, uh, take me, just me. It was me. Deal with me, please. Pharaoh, we see by his acts, doesn't care about anybody else. His heart's so hard that he truly just didn't care. And he worshiped himself. You know, he had everybody else worshiping him, but he loved himself so much. This statement here in uh, the end of verse 14 says that you may know that this is that they're uh, sorry, that 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 you that this is I mistyped what I was supposed to write, that you may know that there is none like me in all the earth. I had to go back to the, the actual verse because I, I mistyped it there there that. All of this was going to happen, and God was allowing this to happen for Pharaoh to learn a lesson and his leadership to learn a lesson. Uh, because you keep resisting the Lord, look what's going to happen here. Isaiah 45 verse 5 says, I am the Lord and there is no other. There is no God besides me. I will gird you, uh, though uh, you have not known me. So that's it. I knew that would come up on there, so I'll just read it too. But the, the first half of that, I am the Lord, there is no other. Uh, this uh, there is no God besides me. God declared that. So if that the argument wants to come, we can put them right, uh, point anybody to forty five verse five of Isaiah and say it's right here. This is what God declares. You know, and if there's there's any type of argument, just your arguments with the word, your arguments with God. It's not with me, but I do stand on the word with God. So uh, you know, my my mind's not going to change. That's what we the, the approach we can take to that. 
Jeremiah 16, verse, verses 20 and 21 says, Will a man make gods for himself, which are not gods? <laughs> That's a rhetorical question, isn't it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, they will. Will a man make gods for himself, which are not gods? Therefore, behold, I will this once cause them to know. I will cause them to know my hand and my might, and they shall know that my name is the Lord. You know, Jer Jeremiah, the Lord in speaking with Jeremiah here saying, look, they can go with all the false gods they want. They can do, you know, whatever they're going to do in their foolishness of creating their own gods. Uh, but I will do what I need to do that they uh, shall know that my name is the Lord. They're going to know who I am uh, at, at the end of what he was doing. So th the warning was given and uh, and we see um uh, what's what's happening here uh, as this continues to unfold? So the, it, the, we're, we're taking steps through the warning here. Verse 15 says, "Now, if I had stretched out, this is God still speaking to um, to Pharaoh. Says, now if I had stretched out my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence, then you would uh, have been cut off from the earth. But indeed, for this purpose, I have raised you up." that I may show my power in you and that my name may be declared in all the earth. This is God being merciful to Pharaoh and explaining things to him. You know, it, it, this is, I, I look at this personally as the equivalent of this. I could squish you like a bug right now. <laughs> that's, that's what I look at. Like if I wanted to do this, I could, right? You know, I just, even last night, Natalie yells at me, dad, do you have a shoe? And I'm like, no. And she's like, there's, there's a spider over here. I'm like, I guess this one gets away. I don't know, you know, but it's that, it's that mindset, right? You could just squish it like a bug and just keep going, you know, but in the, in the Lord is saying here, if I wanted to, I could have, but I'm doing something here. He's, he's at work near Nehemiah, uh, chapter nine, verse 31 says, nevertheless, in your great mercy, you did not utterly consume them or forsake, nor forsake them for you are God gracious and merciful. God was being merciful and telling them, I could squish you like a bug, but I'm doing something here. So God's purpose will being revealed in Egypt's judgment. So as they're getting judged, God is, is, is teaching lessons, not only to them, but we're learning. You know, thousands of years later, we're looking at the same uh, accounts here and learning from it. You know, that's the, the, the lesson is that God's name would be declared in all the earth. Everyone had heard of what happened in Egypt and the plagues and destruction by the end of it, didn't they? Like that news like that spreads, right? It's not like that's small news. You think of how catastrophic news can be. And we're so numb to it that many of us have just kind of turned off the news. We don't even know what's happening in our own state sometimes. I'll be honest. There are many times I have no idea what's happening in the news. I just, I, I, I just don't. Maybe I should. I should be abreast on what's going on. I, I'll, I'll, I'll confess to that. But I just don't think of it. I'm just not drawn to it because I'm so tired of the bias on either side. Right? Sometimes you just want to know what happened. Right. This is that type of thing. Like, I don't know what happened, but they had frogs and dead fish and lice and flies and livestock. Everything's just going and everybody had boils and 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 hail and all these things. You know, those are just facts that just happen. And that news spreads and it gets people's attention. And when they get their attention, they're like, yeah, it was the God of Israel, the God of Israel, the God of Israel. And so his name did spread. So this is God telling Pharaoh that. His life and all that he is and all that he has is in God's hands, not his. You know, Pharaoh, I'm going to show you how little you are. You think you're big. You think you've got everything figured out. And God even tells him, I have raised you up. I have raised you up, right? You know, consider scriptures like Romans 13, where it talks about those, uh, those officials that have been set in the place by God, that we should be obedient to them. Because they've been set where they are by God. You know, that, that we're supposed to be obedient to governing authorities. Sometimes as hard as it is to do that, as long as they're not, you know, uh, uh, violating constitutional right and, you know, the scriptures, stuff like that. But overall, we're, we're supposed to be obedient. You know, if, if we have uh, a grievance with them, uh, we should take that up in a uh, diplomatic manner uh, versus 
just going crazy and doing our own thing, right? How well has that worked over the years? You know, uh, it's what we see here is that God is saying that he is in control and he has put Pharaoh, he has actually raised him up to where he is to accomplish his will. God put Pharaoh where he was uh, put and in that position so that God can accomplish his will. Verse 17, and as yet you ex uh, you exalt yourself against my people and that you will not let them go. Isn't this man's ultimate problem exalting ourselves? Right? That's the root problem of, of everything there is we want to serve ourselves rather than serve God. Right? In him, what did it lead to? Uh, it, it, it led to him uh, as a pharaoh causing everybody else to serve him, to worship him, and to do everything he said. So, you know, when when this says you exalt yourself, consider Isaiah 14 where Lucifer himself was cast out of heaven for exalting himself, the five I will statements. Think of that same thing uh, that, that would apply right here. It's the same mindset. I'm great. I'm great. I'm great. I'm going to, I'm like the, this, this man was worshiped as God. It's the same sin, pride, right? There's the problem. Matthew chapter 23, verse 12 says, And whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. I love how the Lord deals with such, such powerful and sometimes complex issues with just a statement like that. Whoever ex exalts himself will be humbled. You know, So when we see, just know, guys, when we see somebody exalting themselves, know that the humbling is coming. Right? It's coming. Whether in this life or in the next, the humbling is coming. And whoever humbles himself, that person will be exalted by the Lord. So they as a people exalted themselves even over God's people. As though they were better than them. You know, they would look down their nose at the, oh, these slaves. Look at them. You know, so the Egyptians had a superiority complex. But considering uh, making others serve you or exalting yourself over those, uh, Acts chapter 10, we just read this uh, on Sunday. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth I perceive that God shows no partiality. If God is telling us that he doesn't show partiality, why do we? Why do we show partiality? Why do we show favoritism? Why do we show, well, you know what? I'm going to make you special and not you special. Where's that favoritism come from? Proverbs 22 verse 2 says, The rich and the poor have this in common. The Lord is the maker of them all. I love that. Rich, poor, black, white, tall, yellow, green, purple, whatever it is, the Lord is the maker of them all. Regardless, God made every single person. Everyone has that in common. All created by one God. Galatians, uh, in, and sorry, I'm just firing out verses. These are ones that flew into my head. Uh, Galatians 3.28. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. That would apply right here, right? There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. When we consider God's heart versus their heart and Pharaoh's heart, last one, uh, regarding their hearts, Proverbs 14, verse 31 says, He who oppresses the poor reproaches his maker, but he who honors him has mercy on the needy. He who oppresses the poor reproaches his maker. That's these guys. They're oppressing the poor, reproaching God. Now, to oppress somebody, you have to push somebody down. That's what it means, right? To oppress, to put weight on them, to push them down. You guys ever do that to like, uh, brother, sister, friend, whoever, when you're swimming, <laughs> right? Oh man, I, I I was the youngest of three boys. I, I was number four of all the kids, but I was the youngest of three boys, and uh, I I'd have to scrap sometime. We get, we had a pool at our house, and it was you know nothing for us to get out there and dunk each other. I wasn't doing much dunking unless I snuck up on them, right? So I would be oppressed by them, right? They. But that's that's the that's the the same type of uh, application. Like, yeah, we're doing that in jest. We're just messing around with people and stuff. But in reality, that's what they're doing. I will push you down so that I can go up. And uh, to be able to do that, 
Uh, somebody has to be, they're, they're uh, rejecting God's word. God calls us to selflessness and love and respect for, for uh, others, to love one another and build one another up rather than uh, tear them down, to consider others more important than ourselves, right? So you see the, the, the conflict happening here. You've got uh, Pharaoh who's lifted himself up over them and uh, what God requires in, in the scripture uh, in humility. Philippians 2 verses 3 and 4 say, um, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each one esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Right? We shouldn't just esteem others more important than ourselves and not just looking out for number one. Right? That's a popular thing, right? Look out for number one because no one else does. Okay, yeah, that's a great dog-eat-dog, dog, right? Why not team up? How much stronger are you, right? Hey, why don't, we, why don't we team up? You've got this to do. I've got this to do. Why don't we work together and get this done, right? Many hands make light work. <clears throat> I'd prefer that, right? 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore, comfort one another and edify one another, which means build one another up just as you also are doing. The scriptures call us to build each other up, to comfort one another, rather than shoving them down to, to lift one another up. I know this is talking about a Pharaoh that's, that's doing this and that this is speaking for how Christians are supposed to act, but this is how our world is. This is the oppression they were under, and this was the problem with Pharaoh's heart. Christians are going to look at something like Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend, right? That iron sharpens iron. You're grinding sometimes. It's a tough thing sometimes. Oh, this hurts, but it's what I needed, right? Yep. You know, sometimes the, the ability to say or do the thing that needs to be said, that, you know, I love you so much that push you right against the grinder. Oh, you've, you're sharper. You're sharper now, right? Those, though, that type of love for one another. So consider God's heart, and then we're going to move on to verse 18 regarding the matter of lording over people, exalting over them. When Israel was led out of Egypt and was free, God told them, as He was giving them the law, not to emulate what they saw, what they heard, and what they experienced in Israel, because they could say, "Hey, we dealt with this all our lives. Now we're going to dish it out." Now tell me that's not alive and well in this world, right? Is I dealt with this, now you're going to deal with this, right? Uh, and this is okay. This is the way I was raised. And and it made me tougher, made me strong. No, what God said, listen to this, Leviticus chapter 19, verses 33 and 34. says, and if a stranger dwells with you in the land, you shall not mistreat him. They were strangers in the land and they were mistreated, right? The stranger who dwells among you shall be to you as one born among you. And you shall love him as yourself, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. There's the stamp. Like, if you have anything to say about this, I am the Lord your God. God ends any argument of it right there. Look what God said. The stranger dwells among you shall be to you as one born among you, and you shall love him as yourself. It's right there in the Old Testament. The God, the Old Testament God that everybody says was just full of, uh, you know, judgment, wrath, and everything. He's telling them to love them as themselves, to care for. Guys, God hasn't changed yesterday, today, forever. Old Testament, New Testament, all of it. He hasn't changed. He's the same God. His characteristics remain the same. His character doesn't change. Verse 18, behold, tomorrow about the, so here's another warning and a time attached to it, right? Behold, tomorrow about this time, I will cause very heavy hail to rain down, such as uh, not been in Egypt since its founding until now. Therefore, send now and gather your livestock and all that you have in the field, for uh, the hail shall come down on every man and every animal which is found in the field and, and is not brought home, and they shall die. He who feared the word of the Lord among the servants. Look at this verse 20. He who feared the Lord, um, uh, the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh, made his servants and livestock flee to the houses. 
But he who did not regard the word of the Lord left his servants and his livestock in the field. So there's devastation and destruction in the form of heavy hail coming tomorrow. Uh, so they know when it's coming, about this time. So this time tomorrow, whatever time it was, early in the morning, right? So as the sun's rising, if this doesn't happen, this is what's, if you guys, um, you know, will not, will not heed, this is what you have coming. And we see what's, what comes here. Devastation, destruction, hail is coming. And uh, it's another gracious and merciful warning, right? If they're out in the field, whoever's out in the field is going to die, right? And whatever is out in the field is going to die. Send now, look at how gracious this is. Send now and gather your livestock in the field. Every man and animal not at home will die. Like, guys, this is as bad as it's going to get. If you don't want to deal with this, then go out and get them. Drag them inside. I mean, this is so gracious, so merciful. And look at the two reactions. Verse 20, some that feared the word of the Lord heeded the words. And uh, they had experienced, uh, what I'm assuming is, you know, they had experienced the last plagues and they wanted nothing to do with this one. They're saying, I'm not going, you mean I have a chance to get out of this? I'm going. You know, and, and they did. And they understood that God could do uh, what he said he was going to do. And that's a wise move. They, they went along with it and they went and they got their livestock out of the field. But look at the opposite person. Verse 21, you know, uh, look at him. This is the guy that wasn't getting the memo, that rejected the word and didn't regard it. You know, it, it says here, but he who did not uh, regard the word of the Lord left his servants and his livestock in the field. They left his servants there. Killed his servants. Committed murder. Like, they knew it was coming. He's like, no, I can't lose the money. And I don't believe this is going to happen. Whatever it was in their heart, they left their servants and their livestock out there. Tell you what, if I'm the servant and I hear these guys like, yeah, there's hell coming, man. It's going to kill everybody out here. I'd be like, I quit. I'm going to work for that dude, right? We're going from one employer to the other if they had the freedom to do so. But uh -uh, I'm out of here. They're left in the field. Yeah, they didn't get it. All the frogs, lice, all that stuff we've all talked about. Their approach to it was, it's not that important to me. It wasn't that bad. I can survive it. Proverbs 29 verse 1 says, He who is often rebuked and hardens his heart, uh, sorry, and hardens his neck, will suddenly be destroyed, and that without calamity. I'm going to read that again. Proverbs 29 verse 1. He who is often rebuked and hardens his neck will suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. That's exactly what happens here. The hardening of the neck, I'm often rebuked. How often? This is the seventh plague, right? Is that where we're at? Five, six, seven, right? Seventh plague. Like the first six weren't important enough. This is this this is a perfect picture of the person that is being depicted in Proverbs 29, verse 1. I'm being rebuked, and I'm hardening my neck, and I'm gonna have uh, sudden destruction come on upon me without remedy. You know, there's a, a sad story I have to share that of a young man that I grew, I didn't grow up with. I wasn't close with, it, with him at all. Um, had a very tragic life uh, prior to being uh, adopt, adopted. And um, this young man um, had a rap sheet and was in trouble in school. I think he may have even got expelled from school. I ended up going to jail. His brother, same thing. They were severely abused uh, before they got adopted. And when they were adopted by loving people, their lives were just total wrecks still. They, they would not um, heed the, the people that loved them and their, their, their guidance and wisdom in their lives, rejected it all, and it landed them in prison uh, for, for really bad things, like awful things. Um, at least one of them I know was there. One of them in great rebellion got, um, uh, was kicked out of the military and um, showed up at this church one day. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, and Will comes over. He goes, do you know this guy? I'm like, yeah, I know that guy. He's, he's right there. Because they had talked and everything. And I think that guy might have asked. I'm not going to share any names. Um, and and uh, he uh, he's like, he's right over here. 
And so I went over and I'm like, hey, man. And it was a weird conversation because he knew that I knew that his life was in complete disarray and everything, but I was so blessed. I told him, man, I'm so blessed you're here. Will preached the gospel. He was given an opportunity to accept the Lord. Um, I don't remember if it was that night or within a week. This guy was severely drunk, driving around. Okay, He met Will one time in his life, one time that day. They have a conversation before church, and I think a lengthy one even after church. Will prayed with them, and they talked and everything. And um, uh, Will's asleep one night here. <laughs> this guy got drunk, went out driving around, flipped his vehicle over. Whose driveway, whose lawn did he land in? Will Cass's lawn. Landed in Will's. Guys, this is like the astronomical odds, right? Right? This, there's no other way to explain this. You talk to the hardest atheist and say, explain this to me. These two had never met. Drunken bender. And it, where does he go? He's flying down the road drunk, crashes his car. Where does he end up in? The pastor's lawn that he had just met. And Will looks at him and says, do you know what's happening right now? And, and Will's like grabbing him and going, you have to understand this is God calling out to you right now. I mean, guys, there's no greater, like, that's, a, that's like biblical. Like, you, you'd find that in Acts, right? Like, and the person flipped over and they landed in Will's lawn. I mean, that's exactly what happened, okay? He's dead. He died very recently uh, out of state. I don't know if he ever accepted the Lord. Based on the information given, I don't think he did. He who is often rebuked and hardens his neck will, will suddenly be destroyed and that without remedy. That can't go on in someone's life. It can't. Especially in the believer's life. But it can't go on in anybody's life. I mean, how often do we see it? I mean, can, consider, um, consider the heavy, heavy drug addiction. And, and, and you consider what people have been brought back from the dead, right? And you think that's got to be the rock bottom. That has to be. And you find out it's not. And they keep going and they keep going. And guys, I'm just using that as an example. That can go on so many different paths. It's not. That's just the one that came to my mind. I'm not picking on anybody uh, with uh, heavy drug addiction. It's just that's the one that came into my, my mind. My greatest... Uh, prayer for them is that they would repent and come back just like anybody else that's stuck in any other sin. Excuse me, but those people that are rejecting that. You guys have seen, you've heard the, the awful stories, right? Uh, you know, a single mom that loses their child to gang violence. They've got no dad. Think of this country. This country so devoid of leaders and that their kids, the only leadership they find in their life is in a gang. So they get into a gang and they die. And they've been warned all along, don't do that. It's going to hurt you. And they're just disregarding all these things, all these rebukes. Don't do that. Don't do that. Sudden calamity. Boom. Drive by shooting. Done. Whatever it is, right? So you can, you can put that into so many different categories. You can put this into spiritual categories and be just as good as dead spiritually. You know, you still have breath in your lungs. You might be able to still come back to the Lord, but... Guys, Proverbs 29.1 is not what we want us to experience or anybody else, right? Oh, where are we, 22? The only thing, I'll, I'll just back up here. You know, the mindset, the, 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 the neck that won't turn, the heart that won't turn. After so long, the heart is too hard. They're not going to turn. They're going to reap the, the fruit of that rebellion. And the fruit of that rebellion is death, destruction, pain, and embarrassment, etc., Right, all not nobody wants to experience any of these. Right, death, destruction, pain, and embarrassment. Just keep whatever it goes along that line. Those are just the four that came to mind. Verse twenty-two. Then the Lord said to Moses, "Stretch out your hand toward heaven, that they uh, that there may be hail in all the land of Egypt, on man, on beasts, and on every herb of the field throughout all the land of Egypt." And Moses stretched out his rod toward heaven, and the Lord sent. Thunder and hail and fire darted 
to the ground. And the Lord hailed, uh, rained hail on the land of Egypt. So there was hail and fire mingled with the hail. Uh, so every heavy, uh, so so very heavy uh, that there was none like it in all the land of Egypt since it became a nation. And the hail struck throughout the whole land of Egypt, all that was in the field, both man and beasts. And the hail struck every herb of the field and broke every tree in the field. Only the land of Goshen, uh, where the children of Israel were, there was no hail. You know, again, uh, we know that Pharaoh did uh, choose, didn't choose to comply. And uh, the Lord told Moses to stretch out his hand toward heaven. And hail and fire came. Uh, and it came on every beast, on every herb, every man. It even says that the trees were destroyed throughout all the land of Egypt. You know, when you when you consider thunder, hail, and fire uh, darting to the ground, that's frightening. That's loud. Uh, you ever you ever been hit by hail? Like just just the little ones. Like when you're in the middle of like a unexpected mini hailstorm here in Maine. We usually don't get big ones, right? But and you got to run from this car to that house. It's like ow, 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 you're getting pelted by those things, right? This is massive. This is bad. And, and it says fire like darts. You know, this is massive and widespread death and destruction to all that weren't in cover, all that were in the field. Men, beasts, uh, trees, herbs, everything wiped out. Everything was just totally uh, obliterated. Verse 26 says only the children of Israel and the land of Goshen uh, were spared of it. You know, they had peace. Speaking of the peace of the Lord, think of all the destruction they just went through that they were told was coming. So they went through that utter destruction there. Look at Psalm 37, verses 37 through 40. It says, Mark the blameless man and observe the upright, for the future of that man is peace. Here's the opposite, right? But the transgressors shall be destroyed together. The future of the wicked shall be cut off, but the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their strength in the time of trouble, and the Lord shall help them and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because they trust in him. There's the tale of two cities, right? <laughs> you've got Goshen here, and you've got, well, country, you know, city and, and country, or, you know, territory, you guys get it, uh, right? Goshen, Israel versus Egypt. And we saw the two difference. Israel could ex uh, could uh, benefit from being covered and delivered uh, by uh, by the Lord. Now, can you imagine being in the land of Goshen and looking across and watching this happen, listening to the screaming, listening to the cattle blowing or whatever they do? You know, just just crying out. You know, and you're seeing this and you're hearing all this and know that you and your family are safe. From God's punishment, you know, you know, you can rest in peace knowing that He's fighting for you. He's telling them this is going to happen if you don't let my people go, and they're witnessing what uh, you know the hardness of heart is doing to Egypt. They've been oppressed for so long, and now they can stand in safety, literally watching God fight their battles. There's a huge lesson in that for us, guys. Massive lesson. Let the Lord fight our battles. Go, Lord, I, I, that can seem cliche. I know it can. And you've hear, you'll hear the song. And that's literally, actually, uh, seriously, let God fight the battles. He's going to win it way better than we could, right? I mean, they could have tried to covert up and, and they tried to run away and all that stuff. No, let God take care of the whole situation. As God takes care of the whole situation, you can just rest and know that you're, you're uh, protected by him, and he's taking care of it. There's a peace there. Psalm 91 verse 4 says, He shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. I'd rather be in that camp. Psalm 20, uh, verse 27 says, And Pharaoh sent and called for Moses and said to, him, to them, I have sinned this time. Just this time, Pharaoh? <laughs> right? <laughs> Oh, you sinned this time. Okay, whatever. Uh, so he's in habitual rejection of the Lord and his word. And, you know, after things get really bad, 
he, he, you know, just enough is said and done here uh, to get the judgment to stop. We'll see that's coming here. But this is not true change uh, that's happening in his heart and mind. That's not what's happening. This is this is Pharaoh coming out and trying to pacify the situation. How do I get this raging craziness to stop? I, what, what do I do here? The, so uh, to continue in verse 27 says, the Lord is righteous and my people and I are wicked. Ding, 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 you got that one right. You've sinned, and God is righteous, and you are wicked. Uh, you're, you know, you're correct there, uh, Pharaoh. So he's acknowledging the holiness of God and his wickedness, his sinfulness, and that his, uh, uh, just, just acknowledging this and, uh, and saying, well, God is holy and we're sinners isn't enough. He's doing, this is lip service. This isn't a change in his heart. But even, even as somebody's looking at these things and going, okay, he's holy and I'm a sinner, just acknowledging those two things doesn't matter. There's the reconciliation that needs to happen there, right? How does the sinner get reconciled to a holy God, right? We know the example of that, right? That, that you can use any illustration you want, but ultimately comes down to Christ, the work of uh, Christ on the cross, like that, that you can do the... Um, uh, the the analogy, the cross analogy with the two, um, I can't remember what it's called. Uh, you've got the two cliffs and then you draw the cross and yeah, you guys, anyways, there's that analogy, okay, um, that, that we can use to go sinner lost, holy God, how are they connected through the finished work uh, on the cross? So, um, so what we see here is that this is a conviction that, re uh, that, uh, does not result in repentance. That's what's needed. Conviction that results in repentance uh, is what is needed. Because anybody can say, yeah, I'm a sinner, yeah, I'm wrong. And yeah, God's holy. I mean, you could take that approach for anybody. But, but what, we're, what we're missing here is a brokenness about the sin. And not just a regret because of the consequences, right? Uh, you know, consider that. Maybe we've lived through that in our lives where we're not really um, remorseful, we're regretful. You know the difference between the two? Remorse is like, what did I do? Look at, look at all the mess I just caused, all these things. And then there's like regret. And most of the time the regret is like, dang it, I got caught. Right? That, that's that's the, sometimes the approach that uh, is, is here. Uh, true remorse and repentance are required. There needs to be a change of mind, a change of heart, change of direction here. And that's not what's being presented here by Pharaoh. What, so when Pharaoh comes up and he says, I have sinned, the Lord is righteous and my people are wicked. Um, that, that's not what's happening here. He's just, de he's just declaring the truth. He has sinned. He is wicked. And God is holy. And God, God is righteous. Those three things, yes, they're, they're all correct. But, you know. You can just look at facts and acknowledge those things, but there's no change of heart that's happening here. So look at verse uh, 28. And treat the Lord that there may be no more mighty thundering or hail, for it is enough. I will let you go, and you shall stay no longer. This is the equivalent. We'll see what we'll see his heart here in just a moment. This is the equivalent saying, I'll comply, and he's got his like fingers behind his back. Remember as kids, like you can't put your hands behind your back because you might be crossing your fingers, right? Or, you know, cross my heart, hope to die, stick a needle in my eye. All those stupid little things, right? That's what Pharaoh's doing. He's playing a game here. He's not truly repentant. His heart is not changed. His heart is still as hard as ever. What he's really asking is make this misery, the chaos, destruction, and pain go away. That's really what he's asking. Entreat the Lord. Please go and treat the Lord. Verse 29. This is awesome. So Moses said to him, As soon as I have gone out of the city, I will spread out my hands to the Lord. The thunder will cease, and there will be no more hail, that you may know that the earth is the Lord's. Look at verse 30. But as for you and your servants, I know that you will not yet fear the Lord God. <laughs> like you can come up and you can say all the magic words you want, Pharaoh. I don't believe anything. He's just totally calling Moses uh, uh, Pharaoh's bluff. That's what he's doing here. He knew that he didn't fear the Lord. You know, they just didn't want the punishment anymore. There was no change of mind, no change of heart. This did not result in a repentance. It's just lip service. 
the true repentance was required. Moses knew that, and he knew that none of this was genuine. There needs to be genuine repentance from sin, right? That just acknowledging that, yes, I'm a sinner is, is one thing, but the repentance and the turn from it, that's that's the thing, right? Uh, of, yes, I because I can tell you, even in my life, uh, my life as a, as a teenager, I knew I was a sinner. Was I going to give up my sin? Absolutely not. It was too much fun. I want to do this. I want to live my life. I want to do this and just hope God doesn't strike me dead. I was that stupid. I was that stupid and that set on my sin that I still wanted to do it. And I was just hoping God wouldn't kill me by one way or another. But I'm still going to do my thing that I knew was wrong. Crazy. Crazy. That's Those are the compromises we'll make when sin is ruling our lives and not the Lord. Let's finish this out. 31. Now the flax and the barley were, were struck. For the barley um, was uh, in the head and the uh, flax was in bud. But the wheat and the spelt were not struck for they are late crops. So uh, Moses went out of the city from Pharaoh and spread out his hands to the Lord. Uh, then the thunder and the hail ceased and the rain was not poured on the earth. So Moses summarized. Uh, so what we see here is the summarization of the, the crops and, and uh, that were, were and were not affected. and Some were spared. And um, we see that God's grace and, and timing there. There were certain things that were still left over uh, by God's grace. But Moses upheld his part of the bargain. He said, I'm going to go do this, but I know this isn't for real. I Let's just... I'm going to leave here, and I'm not even going to give you the wink-wink like I know you're trying to pull the wool over my eyes. This isn't legit, right? Moses already called him out on that. Verse 34, and when Pharaoh saw the rain, that the rain, as as he could be um, expected to, to do, when he saw the rain, um, that the rain, the hail, and the thunder had ceased, he sinned yet more, and he hardened his heart, he and his servants. So the heart of Pharaoh was hard, neither would he let the children go, as the Lord had spoken to Moses. So things return to whatever the new normal was after everything's been destroyed and everything stunk and, you know, all these things that had happened, right? Uh, everything was going back to uh, this. You know, so the promise is broken. They won't let them go. Again, I'm going to share Proverbs 29, verse 1. He who is often rebuked and hardens his neck will suddenly be destroyed and that without remedy. We know this is coming. We know this is coming for them, right? They got to the point where they're saying it's not quite bad enough. Somehow they got to that point and it would lead uh, to even worse. So they're still rejecting God and his word. Let us never emulate them. You know, let us never be at the point where we're being so stiff necked and hard hearted that we're not letting go of what, of what God is calling us to. Amen. Let's let's take the blessings, right? Let's take the like the land of Goshen, just being out there, letting God take care of everything and us following him and enjoying the blessings of calling upon him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, God, that you set these choices before us. We pray that we would be wise to make the godly choice every single time. We thank you for your grace and your mercy that has covered our lives. And uh, we pray, Lord, that we would uh, be ready and willing to share the freedom that is in Christ. And God, the, the warnings that, that you may give us for loved ones uh, to share, whatever it is, Father, help us, Lord, to grow from this and to take it with us, never forget it, and be able to apply it to our own hearts and minds and to, uh, to edify others that are either in the church or, or, or to reach out uh, to those that are lost around us and be able to uh, encourage them to come to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Grace and peace to you all. Have a great rest of your week.